Another episode of Reasonably Outrageous. We are recording the night of Wednesday, July 17th. Bring it out to you Thursday morning, July 18th. My name is Blake Pace, and I'm alongside Matt Wyrick down in the Charlottesville, Virginia, Harrisonburg area. I guess you're not moved yet, so the Harrisonburg area. Uh, Matt, how you doing? Pretty good, Blake. Uh, just getting through the week. Lots of baseball going on. Um, had some fun stuff yesterday. Lots of crazy uh games yesterday with teams barking oh, at yeah. each other the the yankees rays uh astros angels situations whole lot of, of bad blood getting mixed on there and you know we're at that point of the season where you know players are uh starting to get a little feisty with between that grind uh and all the energy that's flowing so it's, it's a lot of fun to watch and you know the season this season's been a lot of fun yeah, no, the baseball season has been a lot of fun, and uh, we'll get to our baseball topic later on in the day, but uh, I was watching the um, the Yankees game as it was happening, and I got video after the commercial break of, you know, I guess, um, I forget who it was chirping with CC, but they were just kind of going back and forth with it, and then I got notifications from MLB, At Bat, uh, Bleacher Report, ESPN, all saying, like, uh oh, ba- uh, benches clear in scuffle between CC Sabathia and, and the Rays, and I was like, I watched that, and they were just like talking shit to each other. So I, I don't know. I guess the clickbait was real last night between that that yeah. pickup, but it really no, wasn't scuffle, anything too serious. But scuffle is yeah. a bit of an overstatement, definitely. I think right. a, lot of, a lot of those outlets just want you to come look at it, and it's just <laughs> CC exactly. yelling across the diamond, and I think it was Avisel Garcia. Uh, for the yes, race, yep, he's right. barking back. So that's all it really was. A lot of people running around on the field, but nothing, you know, spectacular. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly think the Angels Astros one, where Jake Marisnik was hit with a pitch. Uh, you know, that was some actual action. And uh, Brad Osmus, uh, the manager of the Angels, um, was suspended. We had the pitcher who threw it was suspended. So uh, MLB not taking that stuff seriously. Uh, which I think mm. is good to, good to see. Definitely, I don't want guys you know getting beamed with ninety five mile an hour pitches on purpose. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. But um, you know, it, it is still fun uh, in the moment to to see the retaliation right. go back and forth. Yeah, definitely. And you know, while you were mentioning a lot of baseball going on this week, I feel like this is one of the more like depressing weeks or one of like the worst oh, 100%. Weeks to be a sports fan. It's honestly Dude. terrible. It really is. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge baseball fan. I will watch it every day. I don't care who's playing, but at the same time, it, it you know, my sports fix, I need I need more than one sport uh, to really satisfy it. And we are getting nothing. I mean, just looking up topics for this show. I mean, it was it was tough. Yeah. There's nothing going <laughs> yeah. on. Just, oh. Yes, because we've got two and a half weeks until the Hall of Fame game. Uh, NBA free agency has died down. We're on Sam Decker watch. That's the biggest name available left. So we've got that. (laughs) I mean, the reports with Chris Paul seem like he's staying. 
uh, with OKC for the time being because I think around 40% of NBA players under contract can't be traded right now. So they're figuring, they're slowly finding out that Chris Paul is pretty much immovable, at least until like the trade deadline. So you've got real no NBA news going on. The summer league is all finished up. Uh, Wimbledon ended on uh, Sunday, as we talked about on last episode. So yeah, just a real dull week, and so now I'm I'm just itching to get back to football season, the Hall of Fame game, and that's actually where we're going to kick off because uh, two young and up and coming players uh, in this league, both playing the running back position, have put out word that they might be holding out or sitting out uh, preseason, regular season, uh, testing the waters to. Uh, Hopefully try and get some new pay. And it started with Melvin Gordon uh, really coming out and saying we're devalued. This story broke, I guess, sometime around mid-last week. Um, stated that he was going to sit out of football activities until he got a contract extension. Um, and then word came from Ezekiel Elliott that he was also considering doing the same with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and so we're sitting here. You know, Melvin Gordon is only 26 years old. Ezekiel Elliott is 23. So both of them are still, I guess... You know, both are two of the more talented running backs in football, and they're also entering probably the better years of their career because, as we know, running backs are usually good up until about the age of 30, and then it slowly declines past then. You get a few that are stay around, like Frank Gore. Um, mm-hmm. LaShawn McCoy dropped off last year, but he had success past the age of 30. Um, and, you know, just to pull up their, their numbers real quick, in, in three seasons, Ezekiel Elliott has over 4,000 rushing yards, uh, 28 touchdowns, averages over 100 yards a game uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Meanwhile, Melvin Gordon in four seasons uh, with the San Diego and then Los Angeles Chargers has uh, 3,600 rushing yards, 28 touchdowns, and about 66 yards a game. Um, Matt, you know, this is an interesting situation where, once again, you know, we had the Le'Veon Bell situation uh, fizzle out last year. He ends up getting paid by the Jets, which... Also, in turn, seemed like the Jets were really the only team offering that even close to the kind of money that Le'Veon Bell received. Now we've got two running backs that maybe aren't, you know, don't have the uh, repetitive success as Le'Veon Bell as when he was considered the best running back in the league, but also are a little bit younger uh, than Bell. So, so what do you, what is your breakdown of this situation with both of them? And you know, what do you think you know plays out with with Zeke in Dallas and Melvin in uh, Los Angeles? Well, I've talked on this podcast uh, before, actually, when we talked about the Dak Prescott contract um, mm-hmm. and Carson Wentz contracts um, and, and Jared Goff. Well, I talked about how the running back position is not a position that you want to invest a ton of money in. Um, just in general, you know, like you said, with the decline of running backs uh, and just the scope of the league in what we're seeing, a lot of teams just plug and playing running backs. They're going by committee. You know, they have a third down guy. They have a guy that uh, can run up the middle. They have a guy that runs sweeps, uh, you know, can break open field tackles, that kind of thing. Uh, and, of course, the pass-catching running back, which is ever important uh, in today's NFL you, if you have enough guys that can do those things, at least you know two or three of those things at a time, uh, you can manipulate your sets uh, and not have to pay the top dollar for running backs uh, like we've seen some teams do. Now with Zeke and, and Gordon, two of the better young running backs in the league, approaching the ends of their rookie deals, seeking extensions, it begs the question, do you 
go with these guys who have clearly had success for your, with your team, uh, clearly among the best running backs in the league, the best players at their position, certainly their play warrants these kind of deals, but do you pull the trigger on it? And if, if it were me, I would say no to both, uh, which isn't to say that they're not worth the money. There is certainly teams out there that would do it, um, but I buy into that idea that you, you can save a lot of money by going with a committee. Uh, and in today's past happy league, uh, you know, on two teams that have very solid quarterbacks, invest in the receiving core. That's all more, the more important these days. Um, now, if you have to, if you're making me pick, uh, you know, who over the other, I'd probably go with Zeke given Melvin Gordon's injury history. Uh, and Ezekiel Elliott has had better numbers just overall, um, both, you know, yards from scrimmage, uh, breaking tackles. Uh, in the, the passing game as well, uh, he adds a, a much better element there. So it, Zeke is certainly going to get the bigger deal between the two. Uh, and if you have to sign one of these guys, I would say sign Zeke. But if it were me, I, I would let them pass and, and move on with a much cheaper option. What about you? Yeah, you know, I always feel like I, I've always said this on whatever show or whatever writing I've ever done. When it comes to the NFL and actually any sport as well, I'm always about the players putting themselves in the position for the for the best money. And the reason I'm saying this is because I'm going to go against this in a little. But from the get-go, mm-hmm. I, I, I want the players to make as much money as they possibly can. You know, we talk about not in a – I guess it's somewhat corruption that uh, the NFL sits on billions of dollars a year – and, um, you know, you've got guys at the end of the roster, you've got starters that are extremely underpaid. These, these players are the ones that are risking their bodies, their lives, uh, their futures with injuries and just head trauma that I feel like, you know, aside from the quarterback position, these guys are severely underpaid. So I, I'm all for Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott sitting out to get their money. That's, I've, I've never shied away from the idea that if players want to sit out because they think that's the best situation, they don't want to be in a contract year and get injured um, to, uh, to, you know, end up in free agency with another injury on their list and then they, you know, get less money. I want, you know, them to put themselves in whatever best situation they possibly can. But that being said, um, Warren Sharp uh, is a guy that I love when it comes to NFL content. And I'd recommend uh, going out and getting his 2019 uh, NFL season preview um, if you guys are looking for even gambling, he's big on the betting tracks with the NFL. He looks, uh, he's really, I guess, the guy at the forefront of advanced analytics for the NFL, which is crazy. We're in 2019, and this guy is just starting to come up with advanced analytics, but the NFL has kind of been slow in terms of that. But uh, he pointed out this great thing when Melvin Gordon came out and said that the running backs as a group are devalued. And he pointed out the four most expensive running backs last year. Number one, Todd Gurley who was replaced by C.J. Anderson after injury, and the Los Angeles running offense did just as fine with both of them, with C.J. Anderson leading uh, you know, the carries over Gurley. Um, mm-hmm. And then number two, David Johnson with the Arizona Cardinals, missed 15 of the last 32 games with injury. Devontae Freeman, number three, missed 16 of the last 32 games with injury. Uh, the fourth highest paid is LeSean McCoy right now, and he's averaged 3.7 yards per carry the last two years. Um <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the, he then continues that the two most elite running backs in the game, Le'Veon Bell and Gurley, had to re- be replaced last year, and the run game didn't suffer. And in fact, the, the run game for both of those offenses were more productive in 2018 with their absence. So, 
you know, from the standpoint, if I'm putting my general manager hat on and I'm sitting there looking at the position and it shows that if you have a good offensive line around you, you've got a good offensive system and you have multiple running backs that can uh, share the load, then that's a more effective system. You know, you look at the success for some of the teams, um, and just because I follow the Colts, uh, you know, you take a look at their offense, which was one of the best in the league last year. They have three running backs that do separate things. Marlon Mack is more of your in-between-the-tackles runner. Naeem Hines was your your wide receiver, change-of-pace kind of guy that worked on the outside and in the receiving game. And then Jordan Wilkins was their power back in short-yarded situations. And I think from week six on to the rest of the season, once they figured out what their core was like, that was the number one rushing offense in the NFL. Now, I'm not saying there's a problem with having star running backs like Zeke, Christian McCaffrey, uh, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, those guys, if you have them on your team, you're going to give them more of the carries. But the problem becomes if you can pay three guys less than what you would it would cost to pay for one guy like um, Ezekiel Elliott, because if you took a look at Le'Veon's contract, he was making around 12 to 15 a year, and you're going to assume that's what these guys are going to look for. Zeke will probably you know, try and get even more. He, I, you know, Melvin Gordon I don't think will be able to top the running back numbers, but I think you could make a case that um, Zeke ends up being the most, the highest paid running back in the NFL. Um, you can pay three, maybe even four guys a fraction of that cost and have the same success if you invest money wisely into um, you know your offensive system, you know, including the line, all five positions. So. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. If I'm the general manager with both these teams and, you know, Zeke and Melvin Gordon are holding up that they're not going to play unless they get, you know, hefty extensions where they're paid among the, the top running backs in the league, I'm sorry, there's just there's there's no value in having that anymore when there's a far more effective way that allows you to set up success and pay other positions that you might need or you might find more important than one specific guy at a position that... Um, can be done by multiple people. Yeah, and I want to go back to one thing you said. You talked about uh, how players will, will sit out for their contract years in order to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. It's within the player's right to do that. Um, yeah. But that also that doesn't mean I respect it. Uh, I want to I want to mm-hmm. put that out there because you know uh, I, I think there is merit to signing a contract and playing through it. I mean, even if you're outperforming the contract of what you deserve, you're be, you're, you should be paid, you know, you put in, you put your name on that contract and you signed yeah. it. And yes, it, these are rookie deals. Obviously, they are aimed to be cheaper, but you have to get your due, uh, you know, in my opinion. And sure, you can ask for uh, a restructured contract and um, you know, go into a season saying, I want to be extended, give me a contract now. And, and you can have a situation like Carson Wentz, who's, ex- who's extended early, and they throw away his rookie deal and give him uh, a full new contract. I, I respect the hell out of that. You know, I respect that from a team standpoint, saying, you know, good on you for putting uh, your players' interests first and making sure they're taken care of. The Saints and, and, and Michael Thomas are talking about an extension right now. Michael Thomas is being paid just under $2 million, uh, right now in, on his rookie deal and has been one of the best receivers in the NFL uh, since he's come into the league, no question. He even said, I'm not going to sit out any practices. Now, this isn't my Saints bias coming through, but I, I, it's one more thing that I respect about Michael Thomas in that he's putting his team first. He signed the contract. He's honoring a commitment he made. 
especially when you, when you start talking about these second deals. Uh, when, when players start doing it on their second deal, that's where you start saying, you know, come on, man, this is this is a deal that you, you signed. It was all fair uh, when you put your name on it, and now that you've played better, sure, are you? Would you? Should you be paid more money uh, based on how you performed? Absolutely, but you 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 signed that contract, and I, mm-hmm. I think there is there is merit in sticking to your word, and, and that's just me. And look. I'm not yeah. trying to be a, a grouch here. I, I want players to to fight for uh, what they deserve is, is is what they're owed. But you know there are a lot of ways to make money in the NFL outside of just um, you know these contracts. If you're if you're a star running back, you're going to make huge money off of endorsements there, as long as you're staying out of trouble. You know, of course, you're going to make massive money off of endorsements, and that's going to help pay the bills. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. This is it's just always something that's bothered me a little bit. You know, you're you're on a contract. Why are why are you having, you know, such a fit when you're the one who put your name on that piece of paper? Yeah, you know, my my few things um and and this is where we disagree a little bit and I totally understand where you're coming from. Um I think when comparing you know, Michael Thomas um to guys, you know, like Zeke and Melvin Gordon and and this goes with any other players um that, you know, go out and publicly say that they wouldn't sit out. I think the problem becomes is that this is a position when you're the running back that your second contract or maybe even your third is going to be the last one that you really get. So you need to optimize that and make sure you're in the best shape for it. We've seen wide receivers play well into their 30s, but it's proven that if you're a a cowbell uh, running back, you have up until about the age of 29 or 30 to really have success. Um, And beyond that, it's a gamble if you're going to hold up, if you're going to get any money. And so for, for um, for these rookies, you know, Melvin Gordon is 26 years old. Uh, and he's entering, you know, the final season of his rookie contract, he probably has four years left. And say he goes out there and he makes, uh, you know, he know, he makes a, a quick cut, uh, and then unfortunately, uh, you know, another leg injury, and he has to miss extended time. Uh, maybe he misses somewhere up of half a season. He's going to enter free agency. He's going to be 27 years old next year, and he's going to be in a situation where he's looking at three years of possibly getting paid, but also, like you were saying with him, he's only had one season that he's played in all 16 games. So I don't blame Melvin Gordon for looking at his situation and saying, I've got reasonably three years left where I can make this work. Um, And, you know, the problem is is that, that, like you were saying, you can't negotiate the rookie (laughs) contract, really, which is unfortunate. But when you're a position like running back and it's proven that your shelf life is up until you're about 30, if your contract finishes, if your rookie deal finishes and you are entering free agency at 27, you really need to make sure that, A, you have less, you know, you have the comfort before you hit free agency or, you know, you're, you know, sitting out and making sure that your body is in good enough shape to where teams will be interested in you in the free market. But then look at Le'Veon Bell and how his market depressed. He, he gained weight uh, during that year that he was off. That, that also hurt his value, yeah. I think, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, so I think some teams, I mean, this is purely speculation, but I feel like mm-hmm. some teams might have stayed away from him for being, you know, a, a bit of a headache in, in the entire situation that he put his team through. I, I, I don't know. If I'm, if I'm a general manager, I'm – looking for guys that are putting the team first. And obviously, yeah. you know, I, I'm not saying that these guys don't deserve to get paid their top dollar. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. But, you know, 
they, they sign these contracts, and I think you have to put in your due before you can really earn the big bucks. Um, and I think there's something to be said for those players that are willing to put the team first, are willing to work out their entire contracts, uh, and then go mm-hmm. from there. Now, that being said, I think the franchise tag is absolute garbage, and it should be uh, eliminated from the NFL. That's a whole nother discussion. Um, yeah. You know, in that in that these players are losing years, especially at the running back position. It, like you said, you know, you can only play until you're 30. Uh, being franchise tagged one or two years after that rookie deal ends, and then being let go is terrible uh, for your long term value in terms of signing a massive deal. So I don't think they're ever going to get rid of the franchise tag. It's 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 such so important to teams and as, as a tool. Um, it, it just for me. You know, it, it's a terrible thing for the players. Um, and I think, you know, oh, yeah. you get rid of the franchise tag and you look, tell these rookie players, like, look, this is your last year. Give it all you got and then you're gone if you want to really hit the open market. I think that gives them the incentive to stay on the field. Yeah, I you know, I agree with you. The franchise tag is probably one of the worst things we have in sports. I know we talked about how baseball's arbitration is just even a mess. But, you know, you look at football um, and, and – you know, that's probably the biggest glaring, God, is it the biggest glaring issue? I don't know. I mean, you've got so many issues in the NFL, and of course, I fully believe that the we're going to miss, what is it, the 2021 football season. I feel like we're at a pace where uh, the next CBA is going to cost us uh, an entire year of football, which is so depressing uh, to even entertain, um, but I guess we'll have the XFL to hold us back. But I really do think we're hitting a problem where the NFL is going to miss a season, and hopefully they'd be able to get uh, the franchise tag kind of terminated. Maybe they're able to upgrade the pay structure for these rookie deals because, you know, I just... We've seen too many times where a player has has played through the rest of his contract despite reports that maybe, you know, he was considering sitting out. An injury happens, you know, oh, you know, a perfect example to me, and he ended up getting paid, so it didn't matter, but there was a scare. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. was thinking about sitting out, I believe it was two off-seasons ago. He was thinking about sitting out the preseason, hadn't talked about the regular season, but he was going to take the preseason off. Um, People in his camp decided that he was, you know, he should play, and then he suffered a really dirty hit in the second week of preseason uh, that took out his ankle, and he missed, I think I want to say, about a month of play. So, you know, freak accidents like that happen. You know, it's a preseason game you're not even thinking about, but he could have, you know, hurt his ankle again, another injury, and then you look at Odell entering a contract year, and it's one of those situations where he could have jeopardized a ton of money. Now, fortunately, it didn't work out like that. He got paid, he got traded to a better situation, so everything worked out great for Odell, but with these running backs, um, you know, I just, I feel like the value of, of, you know, knowing your career has three good years left on it, and Zeke is a little different because he is younger. Um, he Well, actually, he's turning 24 at the end of this year, but he also has the usage rate um, that's up pretty high. You know, really the only games he's missed were for that suspension, so he is durable. Um, and I, I agree with you, if you were going to pay one of these two guys, I would go with Zeke just because of uh, their effectiveness. But also, you know, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, another thing that I was looking at, and I don't, all these things keep popping into my head too late when I was trying to make the argument the other way, uh, the Dallas Cowboys... Um, over the last decade, I want to say all of the 10 years have been in the top 10 in terms of run efficiency, and that was with guys like Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris or guys like DeMarco Murray. Uh, the Cowboys have had the blueprint to a good run offense, and it hasn't really been Zeke. Now, Zeke does add different things where if you have a bell cow running back, uh, you know defenses will push in in the box more, and that opens up the passing game for Prescott and Amari Cooper, but 
either way, I just I think it's it's unfortunate that these discussions have to happen because I do completely understand these guys trying to make sure that their money uh, is secure because like we also have to talk about with the NFL, you're not going to get fully guaranteed contracts. I mean, uh, there's only a few in the league right now and you know, the one big one, Kirk Cousins, probably has shied people away from ever doing it again. So, you know, the fact that deals aren't guaranteed in the NFL, say Gordon was to play this season, get an extension, uh, get paid, and then, you know, the first season has a bad injury, and then, you know, maybe doesn't come back the same and is a surprise cut, he's missed out on two-thirds of the money that he signed for. So, you know, that's another big part. I think the whole contract system in the NFL is completely messed up. The fact that these owners sit on billions of dollars and the players are struggling to even find you know, ways to keep uh, financial success post-career. And then you take into account all the injuries they sustain. CTE is a problem. Um, I'm going on a, just a rambling rant right now because I, I've, <laughs> you know, this really is, you know, disgusting to me in terms of what these players are putting themselves through with the risks that are in front of them. But I don't know. I, you know, as the GM with the GM hat on, no, I wouldn't pay these guys. But I, you know, if I'm the players, I'm making sure that I'm in the best way to set up success uh, when I hit the open market or, you know, hopefully my team gives me the extension. Do you think either of them get it in, in the long run? Um, I think both teams are definitely motivated to sign them for different reasons. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion that they should let them go. Um, if you're mm-hmm. involved in, in these two team systems, there's uh, you know a couple factors on each side that might indicate they do need these guys. You look at the Chargers, right? They have an aging Phillip Rivers at the quarterback position. You're thinking that in the next, by the end of a Melvin Gordon extension, you're probably going to have a rookie quarterback in there, or at least maybe mm-hmm. somebody you've traded for uh, at some point. So if you sign Melvin Gordon to an extension, that's conceivably putting uh, taking a load off of whoever that next quarterback's going to be, allowing them to work off the play action more, RPO-type uh, plays, um, which open up the passing game a little bit for them. So if you're bringing in a rookie quarterback, that's going to make their life easier, knowing that they have mm-hmm. a stud running back uh, able to keep defensive, defenses honest up front. Uh, as far as the Cowboys go, Dak Prescott is known as one of the best quarterbacks to operate off of the play action. Uh, he has grown with Zeke in that offense. Uh, the two of them have really um, come into their own together uh, in this this Cowboys offense. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people are high on Dak this offseason from what I've heard. Uh, it seems that a lot of people are starting to buy in into the, the level of talent that he brings. And can he operate without Zeke? Sure. Do I think that he gets extended? Absolutely. Um, so that being said, he could uh, move on with another running back, and I still think he'd be effective. But I think there's something to be said for the success that he has had with Zeke, you know, being one of the best running backs in the NFL when he's on the field, uh, you know, running behind him. I think that's mm-hmm. important. Um, and I think that, you know, if you don't want to mess with that gel, you, you sign Zeke. Um, but, you know, keep in mind that you're already signing Dak to an extension. You're signing Zeke. Uh, there's going to be some guys on the defensive side of the ball that are in a command. Um, some big contracts uh, up front. You have a ton of offensive linemen that are nearing the ends of their rookie deals. Is um, the right guard, Zach Martin, is he extended? Yep. Is he extended on he a big contract? He got an extension. Um, I'm trying to think when he got paid. Let me check what his contract is right now. I'll pull it up. Um, yeah, but because, you know, there's, yeah, there's just a lot of deals. Um, last June, he agreed to a six-year extension for $84 okay. million. Yeah, so, so you're already, you're already paid. paying him a lot, too. 
I mean, yeah. there's only so much room under the cap, and so I think I think Zeke is the better running back. But I honestly, I think the situation lends itself better uh, to the Chargers uh, to extend Melvin Gordon. You don't have a ton right. of big contracts on the offensive side of the ball uh, in yeah. LA. Yeah, you know the problem. The problem becomes, and this is a pretty dangerous problem for the league to have, is you know you want star players in the league because star players sell jerseys, uh, they get attention, um, the endorsements that you can agree on, the partnerships. It just having star players in the league is so effective. But it's now showing, you know, you're finding out that having three running backs, one that does a different thing for the offensive system is more valuable than a bell cow running back. So the problem becomes, you know, the NFL needs to figure out with some of their young stars, you know, what is the, what is the proper way to utilize the running back position? Because the stars are going to de- demand money. They're not going to get paid. They're going to sit out. I feel like we're going to, you know, this could eventually wind up where every running back is facing the same situation. But at the same time, if you're an NFL team, you have to look at the way some of these teams are running their offenses and saying, oh yeah, we don't need one star to do it. We need three guys. So, you know, it really does change the way the running back position could look years from now. Do star running backs that know in college that, you know, they're going to not be able to really make money and that teams are are only going to want to use them for one thing? Are they going to try and play a different position? Uh, How are, you know... Uh, kids in high school going to you know treat the running back position. This could have a real huge uh, trickle down effect. That if if running backs are continuously getting underpaid and underpaid, and offensive systems are finding out better ways to pay three running backs a fraction uh, of the cost to do better production than one, we could see where the running back position becomes. Uh, God, I don't I don't even know what it could become. It would just be something that is an afterthought, and then you're taking away star players. Uh, from the league, and it's one position where maybe you just you don't have stars at anymore. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing to think about the uh, possible outcomes. Well, I, I think really what it becomes is you'll still have the star players. Um, you know, they're probably uh, uh, look. You know, there are still plenty of teams who are willing to invest money in this position. You know, we saw the Jets give Le'Veon Bell uh, a big deal. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott. This is true. This is true. But there are going to be teams out there that are willing to succumb to it. And and even this, a lot of teams are willing to put in the draft capital. You know, Zeke was drafted fourth overall, Saquon second. Uh, You know, we've seen plenty of running backs drafted in the top ten in the past couple years. That's significant draft capital being dedicated to the running back position. So I don't think that stars are going to disappear. But I do think that that Melvin Gordon and what he said is right and that, you know, the running back position is losing money. um, But it's losing relevance. And and look, uh, as much as I say that sucks – and, you know, you are a star player, Melvin Gordon. You deserve to be paid. Absolutely. We're looking at the reality of the league and, and the way it's going. And, you know, the more important things to have on an offensive team are, are receivers. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, not to say Melvin Gordon can't catch the ball. He actually had very good receiving numbers as a running back last year. Um, but, you know, guys who can stretch the field, uh, you know, go deep. Uh, you know, jump over dudes, six foot seven, uh, behemoths of a man, Calvin Johnson types. You know, those those kind of players, Calvin Johnson types, as if there's another Calvin Johnson. But um, you know, that's just that's kind of where the league's going. And it, it sure, sure, somebody's going to get burned by that. 
But at the same time, it's not like that's any particular person's fault. It's it's teams having getting gotten smarter uh, in utilizing their cap space and, and roster in a more efficient way. Uh, and mm-hmm. and somebody at at some point, you know, someone's going to get the short end of the stick, and it just looks like the running back position. Do I do I say that sucks? Yes. Is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't know. I, I think it's just you know where the league's at right now. Yeah, the tough thing is, is we saw the high draft picks like Zeke and Saquon Barkley. But, you know, and I always used to be in the opinion if the player you think is the second best player available or maybe the best overall player, you take him. But, you know, the more I look at the recent success from backs later on, you know, if I'm the New York Giants and this is, I I kid you not, aside from Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Saquon Barkley might be my favorite player in the league. Like, I am obsessed with him. But if I'm the New York Giants and I'm looking at my team and I could have Saquon Barkley and uh, the offensive lineman that I drafted in the second round... Or I could have pick from Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, um, I wouldn't say Lamar because he was later on, and Nick Chubb in the second round. I'd rather have that combination. You're getting, you, you have the guys that are taken at the top of the round like Zeke and, and Barkley, but, you know, Philip Lindsay went undrafted. You know, you've got guys like, um, you know, there, there are just so many late round finds. You know, you talk about all the guys that Kansas City has found through the years. Um, Kareem Hunt, of course, before his problems, but still a very talented. Alvin Kamara is a third round pick. Yeah, Alvin Kamara, all of these guys. You know, it's it's the success rate is so much easier to find in the later rounds than it is to find, you know, it, you know, I'm not saying that these guys didn't pan out well. If you think about, you know, top running back draft picks that didn't pan out, the first one that comes to my mind is Trent Richardson. Uh, and even this year, we had one running back taken in the first round, but he was at pick 25, I believe, when uh, Josh Jacobs was taken uh, by the Oakland Raiders. So, you know, the problem is, is, you know, after, I just, I don't see teams, you know, I, I guess it's recent that the Giants took Saquon and the Cowboys took Zeke. But, man, you know, I'm really in a position now where I would much rather take the guy in the third round, take a flyer on Alvin Kamara, because it's so much harder to find quality players that deep, but consistently you're finding them at the running back position. So I, I just really think that the running, the if a, if you want to get paid as an NFL player and you're in high school or college, to me, you don't play the running back position anymore. I, I think unless you want to specifically decide, okay, I'm going to be a change of pace running back, that's all I'm going to be, and I'm going to try and be the best one there is and make money off of that. Um, but then also you have to hope that you get drafted in a situation where they use you right, where they use a change of pace back and they don't try and use you as a bell cow. This is, I, you know, I didn't even think about taking it down this direction when we discussed it, but it really does seem, in my eyes, like the, the running back position moving forward is kind of fucked. Pardon yeah. my French. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just where we're going, man. It, right. it sucks. There's, there's, I, like, uh, like you said, it's not exactly a lucrative position to go into, um, and, and if you're a running back in college, you're probably looking at your future saying, you know, where exactly do I fit in? And the only advice I can give you is learn how to catch because that's, yeah. that's yeah. really the most important thing now is if you can add that, that other dimension to your game, you just become that much more valuable. And there's going to be a place for those running backs regardless uh, in the league. And I think if anybody's going to be more coveted, it's going to be the guys that can uh, you know, catch the ball in open feet, open space and, uh, you know, go mm-hmm. over the middle of the field for routes. Those are the kind of guys who are going to get paid as opposed to the, the typical bell cow backs uh, who run yeah. up the middle. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I wasn't expecting to go on for nearly 35 minutes about, about yeah, this discussion, but it really, <laughs> it really opened up into some interesting avenues. But for the time being, we're going to switch over uh, to the diamond. We're going to talk some baseball because, man, oh, man, the Los Angeles Dodgers are a hell of a baseball team. Right now, sitting at 63-34, and 34, first place in the NL West, first place in the National League, the best record in baseball. Uh, if you know you're looking at the numbers right now, they've got a 99.9% chance to make the postseason, nearly a 30% chance to win the World Series, um, and you know we're going to take a look at the NL, um, and we're going to look at teams that it's possible to give the most fits to this Dodgers team that seems to be unstoppable right now. Um, Matt, I'm going to toss this to you and your baseball knowledge because to me, uh, this is a tough one to discuss. Teams that we think have a fair shot of beating the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well. I mean, the de facto answer right now has to be the Braves. With how well they played uh, in the month of June, they absolutely distanced themselves in the National League East, and they have such a great blend of young talent and veterans. You've got guys like Acuna and Albies and Max Freed, uh, Mike Soroka, the young guys, Freed obviously on the IL, but uh, then you have the older players like Freddie Freeman and Nick Markakis, you know, anchoring that, that lineup. It's a really interestingly built team, uh, one that has been an absolute wrecking ball this year. Um, but I, I feel like the Nats have really come into their own. And I know I write for a Nats blog. I've, I've watched the team since I was eight <laughs> years old. I'm going to come off as biased here. But there is a four-game series between the Nats and the Braves that, if you are listening to this on Thursday, it starts tonight uh, and culminates on Sunday Night Baseball Sunday. That series is going to be huge uh, in determining where the two teams go from here. 14 games remain between those two teams the rest of the year, starting with these four. Uh, and the Nats, who, as of right now, it, it, they're six games back. The, the Braves lost today. Uh, the Nats-Orioles game is in a rain delay at the moment, but they're supposed to play tonight. I'm assuming the Nats are going to beat the Orioles, uh, given that the Orioles don't really beat anyone. So let's say they're five and a half games back. You know, They make things interesting here. Uh, they, they, they take three of four. They're going to be right there uh, behind Atlanta uh, after having been so far back. The run differentials, plus 55 for Atlanta, plus 40 for Washington. They're still close there. I think the Nats uh, offer, uh, I don't want to say more experience because the Nats obviously have not made uh, any kind of deep playoff run um, with the team that they have. But Max Scherzer has pitched uh, in the World Series before. Um, they have... Uh, a very deep lineup, one that I don't think is necessarily at the level that Atlanta's at, but given that their pitching staff is stronger, given that they should be active at the trade deadline and requiring a, a couple relievers, um, I think this Nats team poses the biggest threat uh, to the Dodgers in the National League. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the National League right now, really, you know, there are three teams aside from the Dodgers that are more than three games above 500, and that's the Braves, 58 and 39, the Nats, like you were saying, 50 and 43, and then the Cubs, who are 52 and 44. All those other teams are three games or less uh, than above 500. And, you know, you just go through the list. You look at the NL West. There are no teams right there that scare you in the slightest. You know, the Rockies are four games below 500. The Giants, who have been on a really great hot streak, came out today and said despite their hot streak, their sellers, they're going to trade Bumgarner and, uh, you know, they said a decent amount of their um, bullpen, too. Uh, Diamondbacks are a game above 500. They don't scare you at all. The entire NL Central, 
Um, I mean, I guess if you you know want to put stock buy stock in the Cubs, go ahead. But they're you know only really great at home and on the road. They're eighteen and twenty seven, so can't really perform in other stadiums. Then you take a look at the NL East, and I guess you know. If I have to pick a team, I'm, I'm, I am going to go between the Braves and the Nats because not only do they, you know, are two of the hotter teams in the NL right now. Of course, the Braves seven and three in their last ten. The Nats eight and two. Of course, those will change when they play each other four times. But really, right now, those are the two teams that seem to be consistently producing. Um, you know, the the Nats really on a really great tear recently. Uh, as you were saying, I, I have to agree, it's one of those two teams. I understand uh, you going with the Nats. I guess I would need, God, what am I going to need out of both of those? I just, really, to me, I don't think there is a team, and I, I want that to be my answer, but that's not a fun answer. Um, mm. Because, you know, in my opinion, you know, I just, I really think that this is this is the Dodgers uh, making it to the World Series again. Just, I think they're th- that far ahead of the rest of the pack in the National League. Um, you know, you take a look across, you know, there's the just the normal statistics right here. Um, you know, though, what they don't do well is they don't steal bases well. They're 12th in the National League in terms of stolen bases. So they don't steal bases. And, you know, if you look at the pitching stats, uh, Matt, there is one statistic where they rank dead last in the NL. Can you tell me what it is? Well, I honestly couldn't tell you. It's losses. <laughs> they have the fewest losses. That is it. Other than that, they're uh, they allow the sixth most home runs, and, and that's about it. The, the, everything else is either first, second, or third. So, you know, the pitching staff is great. They're going to get Rich Hill back, uh, hopefully by September. I made him, uh, you know, a late add to my uh, injured list on our dynasty league the other day. Um, <laughs> but you take a look. I mean, you know, the bullpen is good. The starting rotation is great. Uh, you know, I I just I I want my answer to be none. I don't think there is a team in the National League that could that could stand up uh, with the Dodgers right now. But um, I guess for the sake of it, God, yeah, it's it's got to be the Nats or Braves. Um, whichever one really finishes the season uh, stronger, I guess. I just need to see over the next um, two months, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you had to pick a whole. It's I mean, obviously it's, this is the best team in baseball we're talking about. Picking a hole in this roster is going to be tough. But if you had to do one, it would be the bullpen um, in terms of, of the setup mm-hmm. guys. Kenley Jansen, um, who has been very good this year, but maybe not at the level that we've used to been seeing. Um, you know, the low two uh, ERA type. You know, he's at a three seven two this year. He blew a save last night against the Phillies uh, in a dramatic walk off win for Philadelphia. Uh, so I definitely think that's an area that the Dodgers are going to be investing in uh, this trade deadline. Um, but you know, up and down that lineup, there's really nobody that really stands out as a as a bad um, you know hole in the lineup, other than maybe the catcher position. But you're not really going to be expecting a whole lot out of that anyway. Um, they have more players than they can play, uh, which is just absolutely hilarious uh, the way they yeah. have it all worked <laughs> out. So I'm not. I, I I agree with you. The Dodgers are a super team. There there's no doubt about it. Uh, the way that they're built right now, they are the best team in baseball. Um, but you know, if, if you're if you're looking at just a, a pitching head-to-head matchup uh, in in the playoffs, you're going to go Hyunjin yeah. Ryu versus Max Scherzer, game one of a series. That is mm-hmm. just sounds so much fun, dude. That, that sounds awesome. Clay, Clayton <laughs> Kershaw versus Steven Strasburg. Awesome. Sign me up. Walker yep. Bueller versus Patrick Corbin. Amazing. Dope. Kenta Maeda versus Anibal Sanchez. Very underrated matchup. 
I mean, just just those four, and that's yeah. that's if Rich Hill isn't healthy. You know, they put Mayetta in the right. bullpen last year uh, for the playoffs, so maybe you sub in Rich Hill there uh, and put him in um, in uh, that number four spot because I mean that, that's just such a deep rotation. But the Nats, the Nats are a team that I think really have the rotation to go head to head with a team like that. Now, is the Nats offense at the level the Braves is at? Not, I mean, sorry, the Dodgers. I would say no. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, the Nats are streaky. And right now their offense has been performing well. Uh, guys like Howie Kendrick, uh, Brian Dozier have really been heating up. Anthony Rendon is an MVP candidate. They have that star, Juan Soto. Uh, I saw this stat. Uh, the Nats' actual official account tweeted it out. Since um, middle of May last season, okay, Juan Soto ranks fourth uh, in on base percentage in all of baseball behind three players um, who have won MVPs. Wow. So nice. it, it, I'm pretty sure it's Mookie Betts, Christian Yelich, and Mike Trout. Those are the only guys ahead of him. So the, that, that just yeah. shows you where uh, Juan Soto is at. So he's he's an all should have been an all-star uh, this year, but is is one of the, the better players. I think that, that that's still a deep lineup. Um, but if you look at the Braves and, and going head-to-head, um, you know, you, you're going to have – Soroka uh, going game one uh, against Hyunjin Ryu. Soroka has been good this year. He struggled a little bit lately, uh, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he, he turns things around. But he's only 21 years old, so you're going to be thrusting him into game one of a playoff game uh, against the Dodgers, theoretically. Uh, then you're going with Julio Teheran, who has been a little bit up and down. His whip, 1.3 on the year, not great. His FIP, uh, much higher, a whole run higher uh, than his ERA. Uh, Max Fried going game three, assuming he's healthy. Um, and then um, you have Dallas Keuchel, of course. Maybe he actually slides a little up earlier. I kind of forgot about him. Um, but he slides into there, too. I, I just don't think that in any of those matchups you give the nod to the Braves. That I think it's a clear uh, nod to the Dodgers in that pitching matchup. Whereas with the Nats, I feel like it's so, so, so much push comes to shove. You don't really know who to pick in those matchups. Um, and, and my opinion, pitching is the most important thing when it comes to the playoffs uh, because any hitters can get hot. But uh, when you have all-star pitchers going back to back to back, I mean, that just makes it so much harder for opposing lineups. Um, and I think that, that the Nats make the most intriguing matchup for that reason. Mm-hmm. So right now we're looking at the, N- the NL and we say it's between the Braves and the Nats as of now. If we were to extend this to the rest of baseball to include the American League, assuming the Dodgers make the World Series, how big does that list grow? What teams do you look at maybe, and I'm throwing you a curveball here because I know we were going to stick on NL specific, but you know what teams in the American League really stand out to you as the viable options? And do you think that the options in the AL uh, present a, a bigger threat than you know the Nats and the Braves? Oh, I mean, as far as winning the World Series, that's already proven to be an issue for the Dodgers. I mean, obviously, you know, they didn't have Ryu Ryu pitching like he is and Bellinger pitching like he or hitting like he is. But, I mean, we saw the Dodgers, you know, rattle off some of the best stretches of regular season baseball we've ever seen. Uh, And they had very strong postseasons until they they got to the World Series and then ran into trouble uh, against those respective teams. So, you know, I don't think it's a shoe-in that they win the World Series. But, you know, if we're talking the NL pennant, the Dodgers are ahead above everybody else. I'm not saying that the Nats are at the level that the Dodgers are at. I'm not saying the Braves are. 
Uh, and I'm not really saying that the Nats are even above the Braves in that way. Um, I'm just saying that the Dodgers, if they had to lose to someone, I think those are the two teams that would pose a threat. In the American League, I mean, uh, you, the, the Astros have the pitching staff to match up against the Dodgers. You're assuming that the Yankees are going to add another arm. Their offense is, is better than the Dodgers' offense. Um, it's just so incredibly deep. Uh, they have a good, they're a good defensive team. Uh, I think they would pose a threat. The Twins, obviously, hitting home runs like no other. Um, we, you'd like to think that they're going to be uh, in talks for another uh, starting pitcher. So, uh, and, and there's the Indians, too, um, another team that, that has the pitching to match up with it. Now, if the offense obviously has to really come along uh, more than it has. But um, the American League is so deep, man. I mean, the athletics look good. The Rays look good. Uh, we, we talked about the Sox, and they're up and down, but they still have that high ceiling. The Rangers have been playing well lately. I mean, you know, just going up and down the American League. There are, are several teams that I think could give the Dodgers a run. Um, but if I were to say teams that, that would be the biggest threats, I mean, it's, it's definitely the division leaders in each of the three American League divisions in the NL. Nobody is even in that tier uh, aside from the Dodgers. Gotcha. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I feel like it's a better chance that, you know, the Dodgers get another World Series crumble than make, uh, you know, than uh, to be knocked off in the uh, the postseason or in the uh, pennant race in the National League. Um, so it'll be interesting to find out. Is there If there was another team in the in the National League that you think has the, the star power, um, you know, maybe there's a trade out there somewhere where a team could just turn it on, you know, uh, you know looking up and down. You know the the Brewers have have really underperformed this year. They're only three games above 500, um, four and six in their last ten. Uh, you know the Rockies have definitely underperformed. I'm trying to look. I mean, God, it, it really just seems. You know the Phillies have underperformed as of recent too. Um, is there any other team that you think could surprise us in these next few months? You know, or did any of those teams that I mentioned, you know, bring anything to your mind that if they caught fire, you think they might even have the slightest chance? Well, you know, the Cubs are always a second-half team. We, we've seen it time yeah. and time again. They'll, they'll go into the All-Star break, not really uh, ahead of the pack, and then they'll uh, play very well down the stretch and finagle their way into a playoff spot. Now, they obviously lost the wild-card game last year. That was a disappointing ending of the season for them, but um, they have one of the better uh, in-game managers, uh, most innovative managers in baseball in Joe Madden. Uh, they have plenty right. of stars on that offense, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, Javier Baez, uh, standing out among them. Even Jason Hayward has had a pretty good season, uh, kind of a reclamation year for him. Um, you know, up and down that lineup, certainly a lot of talent. The pitching staff has been there. Uh, it's done that. You know, obviously John Lester not pitching at the A status. We've expected him to. Darvish and Quintana have been eh this year. Hamels is hurt. Kendricks has been pretty good. Uh, or Hendricks, sorry. Uh, you know, their bullpen has some question marks. Uh, you know, Pedro Strope obviously hasn't been the guy at the closer job. Uh, Steve Ciszek has been uh, a fill-in there for him uh, in a couple of ways. Brandon Kinsler has been very good as a setup man, but Brad Brack's been absolutely terrible. Tyler Chatwood hasn't exactly inspired confidence. Um, you know, you, they've got guys like Randy Rosario right now, who is a five nine one ERA. I, I think that the, the Cubs have the potential, but I, I need to see more out of their pitching staff, uh, particularly the mm -hmm. rotation moving forward to know that they're going to be able to match up with the Dodgers pitchers because the Dodgers just have such a, an insane, you know, not even a quartet, five pitchers 
all who could give you a quality start in a playoff game, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if I can see that with the Cubs. I, I also don't think, though, they just traded Mike Montgomery. I don't think they're going to be – well, he was in the bullpen, but you know, I don't think they're going to be looking out for any starters. Uh, I think they're going to roll with the group that they have. Um, but for me, you know, I, I think outside of the two NL East teams, the, probably the Cubs, the, the, Bra- the Brewers – uh, I, I really like that offense. I love Christian Yelich. I want I want to root for them a lot. Right. Uh, Moustak, Moustakis has been awesome this year. Lorenzo Cain, Ryan mm-hmm. Braun, all been good. Um, and Yasmani Grandal, of course, two of the more underrated signings this offseason in Grandal and Moustakis. Um, but that, that rotation, again, it just doesn't get it done for me. I mean, they're getting Gio Gonzalez back soon. Um, he was, he's was he been pretty good since they added him. Brandon Woodruff, Zach Davies, um, you know, Chase Anderson maybe, unless you want Chassin in there. I, it's just for me, um, you know, they, they, they kind of are carried by their bullpen um, being able to come in in the sixth inning if needed and uh, lock down the later innings. And there have been some guys who were pretty good last year for the Brewers that haven't been uh, just as good this year uh, from the bullpen. So I don't know if the bullpen is going to be able to bridge those later innings as well as it did last year. Um, so I think they need another starter who can add innings for them. Uh, you know, go mm-hmm. seven seven innings in a playoff game. That's so important. Um, I, I don't know if there is anybody on that team right now that can do that uh, on a consistent basis, and, and that's where I'm a little bit worried about them. So I, I think it all really just comes down to the pitching, man. I mean, there's a lot of starters yeah. available right now, uh, and people are actually pretty divided on whether or not it's a seller's market or it's a buyer's market uh, <laughs> for starting yeah, pitchers. Yeah, I see that a lot. Because there are a lot of teams that need them, but a lot of teams that only really need one. Um, so, you know, you get through the first four or five teams that, and they lock down a starting pitcher, there's going to be plenty more starters available. I think there could be some bargain buys for a second starting pitcher, uh, right at the end of the deadline, uh, for some clubs that maybe thought they were going to get better value for a player, but there were no offers and they still want to get something. Um, I think there, there's plenty of, uh, ways that can happen. I'm just, you know, as far as the Brewers and the Cubs go in their rosters right now, I, I can't say that they pose a bigger threat than the Nats or the Braves. Right. So, yeah, it seems like we're heading for, you know, one of these NL East teams, whichever finishes out stronger, to pose the biggest threat to the Dodgers on their way to, you know, the third consecutive, you know, hopefully they can win one of these World Series uh, finally. You know, that'd be nice to see. Uh, if not, this is going to turn into a Buffalo Bills uh, 1990s kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. Is there well. anything anything else in the in this talk that we didn't consider? I know baseball, you know, your expertise. Is there anything we didn't touch on? I mean, the Diamondbacks have played well uh, lately. The, the Phillies are in free fall. The Cardinals have been yeah. just so averagely mediocre. Um, you know, I think those are three teams. And the, and the Rockies are, are certainly in playoff contention as well. But, um, you know, we didn't touch on any of them. I don't think any of those teams inspire conference, confidence necessarily. Unfortunately, I right. picked the, the Cardinals as my World Series winner before the year. Uh, ah. It was supposed to be a bit of a shocker pick. Uh, clearly, yeah. that is not panning out. I did say <laughs> well, it is looking like the Yankees. shocker pick now. Yeah, well, yeah. Obviously. Oh, so good. The Yankees are still alive. <laughs> yes, the Yankees were my AL pennant winner, so that is is still uh, possible. But I also picked. I think the, I picked the Phillies to win the NL East. So that's not happening either. Uh, I, uh, I don't think. I don't think any of these other teams necessarily pose a massive threat um, mm-hmm. to 
to the Dodgers. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to stick with my pick that the Nats are the number one team. I, I, it, it, it's hard to say it because they're six games back of the Braves, and any Braves right. fan who heard me say this would be like, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, and and I, I get that. I get that, but there's a lot of games left to be played. And, and not to oh, say yeah. that the Braves aren't playing well right now, but the Nats are, are just as hot. Uh, best team in baseball since May 24th. That that number that date keeps getting thrown around. They have had the highest winning percentage in the major leagues since that date, uh, and that's above the Braves and above the Dodgers for that matter. Um, but the Braves uh, certainly are are above the Nats right now in the pecking order, and, and they deserve to be where they've at. Um, but like I said, there are 14 games left to be played between these two te- two teams. Six games back at the moment. That, that's that ground could be made up in these games uh, throughout the rest of the year. So I'm very interested to see how the, this next series plays out. I'm, I'm very excited for it. I'm, I have uh, 20 bucks on the line that the Nats will uh, win the series So uh, with, with my buddy who's a Braves fan. So we will see what happens. But um, I'm excited to, to come back to you all on Monday, hopefully uh, after a successful series for Washington. Yes, of course. Well, it's getting time. It's We're a couple weeks away from the deadline, and then it's that push to September. So... Uh, lots to be excited about in the world of baseball. It'll be interesting to see if one of these teams can knock off the Dodgers. Uh, but that'll wrap it up for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening yet again to this episode of Reasonably Outrageous. I think we're on episode 16 as of now. I think we had 15 like on Monday. So we're on yeah. 16 now, getting down on that consistent schedule. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. I'll mostly be coming at you with uh, some Colts news and Syracuse Athletics as well. Matt is over there at Matt Wyrick FBB, coming at you with a lot of uh, Washington Nationals and MLB news. Uh, Matt, any last words before we sign off? Uh, just don't forget to rate and subscribe to podcasts yes. on Apple oh. Podcasts. Yeah, we keep forgetting to say that at the end. So yeah, um, and do that. <laughs> and I'm stealing something that I've heard from a podcast that I love. Uh, pardon my take. The best way to do it is to leave a five star review. Um, or no, 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 sorry. Subscribe to the podcast, unsubscribe, and then resubscribe because that puts our subscription numbers up. Apple apparently doesn't keep track of when people unsubscribe. So make sure to do that to bust up our numbers. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next Monday coming back at you with some more sports knowledge.